0: so it, it is It's kind of always has a special feel for me doing these the night before Thanksgiving and I know for a number of people traveling having the courage to go on an airplane there's a sign at the airline ticket office in T- Copenhagen and it said we take your bags and send them in all directions <laughs> I thought that was great so what I usually like to do is uh, take this evening, given the, the season, it's a, it's a good holiday, this Thanksgiving holiday, the spirit of, um, the intention of it, to give thanks, and, and really explore what it means to live in a way that with a grateful heart and with a, with a generosity of spirit. And I actually feel like it's a talk on love, because those are just those are expressions of love. So it's this is a love night, not as a virtue, but as just an, as an expression of who we are when we're fully who we are. So I'll do as I sometimes do a, a reflection. I'll do several reflections, little kind of mini guided meditations, and um, we'll see what happens. One of the Indian teachers that's, uh, you know, I've been always drawn to, he's no longer alive, Munindraji, was asked by his students, well, what is the purpose of all these practices we're doing? And his response, and this is very much his character, he said, it's to live the life fully. And I think that's a really beautiful way to describe it. And what I'd like to do is we talk about gratitude and generosity... Um, is talk about it in terms of a little bit with the breath that gratitude is just like breathing in when we're able to take in life when when there's that quality of receptivity that allows for truly breathing in and taking the nourishment from the air and from the field of this earth we live, we live we get touched we live, and when we can breathe out, when we can let what is ours be offered into the world—our creativity, our intelligence, our talent, our love—that's um, generosity. So we'll kind of explore it with the breath, because I found that the breath is actually the meditation on the breath can teach us about everything. That's a big superlative statement, but it teaches us about a lot. So put that, put it out that way. Love is innate and it is meant to be developed. It's, it's a gift that we develop. It's absolutely a part of what we are and we need to pay attention. And we find that when we cultivate love and these expressions of feeling appreciation for life and wanting to give to others, it's completely correlated with our happiness level. And, and we can kind of sense that it's it's pretty intuitive that when we're filled with gratitude when we're touched it's one of the most, most sweet feelings in the world it's really a lovely feeling but it's this has also been very much studied and there have been a lot of studies on happiness and a lot of studies on gratitude and on giving and each one of them when they scan the brain and somebody is in a state of Uh, generosity, you know, feeling, wanting to give, or feeling of appreciation, that left prefrontal cortex lights up with all the correlations with happiness and positive emotions and not being caught in the limbic system's fight-flight. There is happiness. So we know that intuitively, too. And we value gratitude. And I'm going to take them separately, and we're going to meditate on them separately. But most everybody I know thinks gratitude's a great thing. And when we're honest and when we really investigate, what we find is that a lot of times when we're talking about gratitude, it's an idea about it. Like that was an awfully nice thing for that person to do. I really feel grateful for that. Or, or it might be a sense of relief like phew, I'm glad that person didn't charge overtime or you know, it's like, but it's not a, a visceral experience of gratitude. It's not um, that deep upwelling of appreciation that's very embodied when we um, sense somebody's goodness or sense of beauty or uh, gratitude or appreciation for the sense of waking up, of becoming more at home in ourselves. So it's somewhat rare. I think that's what I'm trying to say when I explore this with people, it's somewhat rare that we have that embodied sense of gratitude, that it's, that it's awakened us in that way. So the question is really, how come? I mean, how come we really don't have that that much? And in a simple way, what seems true to me is that you have to be here to feel appreciation. We can't be in a virtual reality. We have, to, we have to actually be connected with what's going on right here there's a sense that now is enough and, and I like that, that expression, that, that sense of enough because when you ex- just investigate how many moments is there really okay, I can just rest in this I don't need something else, I'm not having to get somewhere else I don't have to do something, now is enough Sometimes think of, okay, I think, okay, I could just die now. It's just enough, you know. You can do it without the dying, but it's, it's enough, you know. And what we get is that um, it's not our conditioning. We're very, we're kind of eager for the next thing or apprehensive about the next thing. But there's, most of the time, there's a sense of I'm on my way to something else. And there's a bit of a restlessness in us. Uh, about it, but the point is that we're preoccupied. We're already occupied, which means you can't be grateful if you're preoccupied. That makes sense? You're already occupied, you, you're not receptive. Some of you might know the Sylvia cartoons. One of the Sylvia cartoons, she's typing a list of responses you hope to have the occasion to say. Okay? <laughs> there's this list and one of them says yes it is unusual to have won an Olympic medal and a Nobel Peace Prize and could you bring me those leather pants in a size two (laughs) you know (laughs) but the best one is no thanks I have everything I need you know it's kind of that type of thing I remember once getting one of those cards that has a picture of the Dalai Lama on it and he's with all his friends, he's surrounded by monks and happy people, and he's got this big package with a ribbon, and he's looking in and he's exclaiming happily, Wow, nothing! Just what I always wanted, you know? (laughs) So this is the attitude that would um, destroy our economy, right? (laughs) Isn't it true? I mean, think of it. We've got this economy based on ever-increasing consumption. There's a billion-dollar ad industry that's actually totally geared to make sure that we don't relax into enough totally geared to go for everything in us that wants something else isn't that true? you know it would crash if even a small percentage of the time we lived with a sense of enough, it would crash I saw another cartoon said executive quits fast track to spend more time with possessions (laughs) you know (laughs) 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 so we usually want things more or different and a major zone that that plays out in is our close relationships and uh, you know when we're when we investigate um, you know just the ratio of in some way feeling critique or wanting something to be changed you know versus gratitude it's interesting the ratio of, in some way, wanting to control another person so that they, you know, cooperate or are impressed with us or approve of us or do what we want to when there's a true receptive listening, just interest, just taking in, who are you? You know, just being there. Just that ratio. It's just interesting. Some of you might remember, this is one of my favorite... Uh, kind of stories an old man in Phoenix calls his son in New York and says I hate to ruin your day but I have to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing 45 years of misery is enough Pop what are you talking about the son screams we can't stand the sight of each other any longer the old man says we're sick and tired of each other and I'm sick and tired of talking about this so call your sister in Chicago and tell her and he hangs up she calls uh, Phoenix immediately and screams at the old man you're not getting divorced don't you do a single thing until I get there I'm calling my brother back and we'll both be there tomorrow so until then don't do a thing do you hear me? and she hangs up the old man hangs up his phone and turns to his wife okay he says they're coming for Thanksgiving (laughs) and they're paying their own way So this is really a description of, um, rather than a receptive presence, we are controlling things a lot. And the Buddha described dukkha, or or suffering, which really he meant, the the other translations, really discontent, as in some way wanting things different than they are in the moment. So this is an explanation of what blocks gratitude, this kind of restlessness that wants it different. So then we turn to how do we begin to train our attention and our hearts so that we're here for this life. You know, that saying of life is what's happening while you're on your way to something else. Like, how can we be more here for it? You know, if we leave here tonight and there's just a little more of us that says, I really want to be here for this life. I don't want to... Skim the surface and race to the finish line, you know, death, and not have arrived. Um, Because this is really a training in being in love with life, not that it's, you know, that understanding. It's not a life; isn't a problem to be solved. It's a, it's a mystery to be lived. How do we get here and live it? Okay, and I'm going to describe the two basic um, kind of pathways that. I think of as really encompassed by this um, path of awareness. And one of them is, is that training to come back and be here. I've sometimes described the wheel of awareness, where it's like these spokes that, that go out from the hub of presence and we're always leaving these, on these spokes through our thoughts and our planning and our remembering and our judging and then we're on the, the the we're on the rim just circling around and how do we just keep saying come back how in this moment do we say just be right here so this is the practice of mindfulness where there's a paying attention on purpose to this moment and this moment and the basic quality of mindfulness of of tending to what's happening right here, is that we're not judging it. We're not in any way contriving anything. There's a simple allowing. I sometimes use the word yes. It doesn't mean we approve. When you feel some pain in your body, or you feel that clench of anxiety, or you feel restlessness or anger, it's not like you're saying, yes, I approve, or I want it to keep going. It's that quality of mindfulness that's really saying, okay, this is the actuality of what's here right now, letting be. There's an understanding with mindfulness that it really doesn't matter what's happening. I sometimes say what the weather is. Like if I say check in right now and ask that question, what's happening? And let's say you find that you're stirred up in some way or anxious or upset what matters and where your potential for freedom is is in how you're relating to it. Can there be a quality of interest? Like, like if you're with a friend, interest, like really interested in what's this like for you? Can there be a quality of interest? And can there be a quality of care? Because that's important. If there's not a kind of friendliness to the moment, we can't arrive back here. One man on a retreat, and in his interviews, he would report, you know, afraid or restless or bored or different. You know, the, the retreat just was like this roller coaster. You know, sorrow and grief, and then joy and peace, and then anxieties, just up and down, and on and on. Each time, the question was, can you just be interested in what's happening and regard it with a quality of t- of tenderness, of care? So he did this whole roller coaster. And at the end, when you know, he described what did you get from this retreat? He said, the joy was in getting real. That's part of being in love with life, just getting real, being with how it is. It's that um, description I love sometimes of that we're usually trying to climb up this ladder to get somewhere that we think is going to be really good and what the difference between that and just turning around and embracing this world with all its beauty and messiness and confusion and uh, sweetness. It's an, it's an embrace. It's like the difference between trying to move towards perfection but instead moving towards wholeness. So I'm just speaking a bit about this first pathway of arriving here so we can really open to our life. And maybe take a moment, even together, we'll just um, practice for a moment this first pathway of a kind of open-hearted presence. So to feel gratitude or open-heartedness, it's about being here. We can't appreciate this life unless we're here for it. So our first attentional training, if you will, is this simplicity of just inviting ourselves to be right here. Listening to the moment. And see if you can, with the same receptivity of listening, Just feel the moment, truly letting be. You might sense a river of sensation and sound That you're the space it's moving through. Let it wash through. With interest, care, letting the breath just happen to you receiving the sensations of the breath and awareness you might experiment and sense what it would mean to really love the breath that kind of intimate careful close-in attention. As if you're breathing in and you're taking in something totally precious, not forcing anything, just receiving it. Now with the breathing out, letting go, it's almost a delicate breeze of an out-breath relaxing outward with the breath as if your heart and your being your whole world could be just riding this inflow and outflow in this changing flow of life there is one choice that brings happiness to love what is So this first pathway to arriving here and being available to this life is what we practice each week. And this is a a mindful presence, a coming back and a being here and an opening to the moment-to-moment experience. The second pathway to name is where we actually intentionally reflect on what we love, what we appreciate what we might habitually overlook and and the buddha taught in a very straightforward way and i think this is just really clean that whatever you frequently dwell on to that the mind will be inclined okay so if you complete, if you frequently dwell on you know something that might be going wrong in the future or something that's wrong with you the mind's going to get more and more inclined like that the mind's very plastic in science it's more described this way that neurons that fire together wire together so we create pathways with our thoughts our, our mind just goes in certain directions and that creates you know, a patterning that then creates a kind of habitual biochemistry and we get caught in patterns one of the patterns that we get caught in is anticipating that something's going to be wrong looking for what's wrong thinking something's wrong with us and just we just get caught in that one and you know it comes it's, it's part of our evolutionary inheritance that we had to be very vigilant to survive but we've kind of taken it way out of bounds so you might even reflect for a moment just um, try this out next reflection here just to pause and close your eyes and feel yourself here with your breath again short reflection. Just bring to mind someone that you care about someone that you're, you see frequently and that you care about and take a moment to remind yourself about what might annoy you about this person what you wish they would change give yourself a good go at that one just let yourself notice that it's not usually not hard <laughs> and as you do as you sense you know what you really what bothers you what irritates you and just uh sense what it's like in your body when you're aware of that And then uh, switch your attention to what you really appreciate about this person. What do you really like? What are you drawn to about this person? What do you love about this person? And then let them both be there, just sense the the imperfection and where you have some reactivity to this person and the goodness and just sense in a whole way, this is a larger reality than when we fixate on one thing or pay attention to just one thing. So you can open your eyes or not. We're going to do a little bit more of a reflection in a few moments. But just to say that um, we can choose what we pay attention to. For most people, um, because we are habituated to not really... When I say reflecting on goodness of another, it's again a kind of an idea, but we don't really let ourselves be touched. We don't take the time. I mentioned this before, William James um, describes us in this ceaseless frenzy of always thinking we should be doing something else. And it's not so easy to pause, and and to pause and reflect on another person and really let in what we appreciate so that our hearts feel it. Not so common. So that's part of this training and it's not just with other people to take the time to sense what we love about the world whether it's the you know creativity that's going on around us, the beauty and this, what a fall we've been experiencing and these last few days with the moon how many of you saw the moon? Oh good, oh good yeah, it's been just uh, incredibly sweet just to sense the whether it's music or the night skies I mentioned, just the mystery of this life, there's, there's something about taking the time to appreciate so that if you go outside and you go for a walk into its wonderful natural setting, that there's some sense of this sanctuary that you're entering and really pausing, and pausing many times to touch something that we don't often touch, which is wonder, which is gratitude vonnegut kurt vonnegut says when things are going sweetly and peacefully please pause for a moment and then say out loud if this isn't nice what is (laughs) you know so it's actually a profound training to pause and recognize when things are beautiful good touching you sweet to pause and recognize it to get acclimated, this body to get acclimated with appreciation. Again, a reflection for you, if you will, just to close your eyes. And feel the breath. Feel that you can relax a bit right now, your shoulders, your hands. Slight smile so that as the breath comes in you can feel yourself receiving the breath let yourself be touched again bring into mind the person you were reflecting on recently and sensing what you appreciate just the way you let the breath in sense that you can just let yourself be touched by that goodness you might mentally whisper thank you Mm. thank you for being thank you for being in my life and just notice what it's like to be pausing and appreciating. Thank you, thank you. And then another person. Just bringing to mind someone else that you'd like to just spend a little time with right now. Someone that is important to you. And you might sense what you appreciate. It might be the way this person shows his or her love to you. You might see that person's eyes and the way they look when they're loving or when they're happy. To feel your appreciation. Let that person's goodness in, be touched and again you might whisper thank you you might even mentally whisper the person's name thank you, thank you Letting in another person into your awareness, bringing that person in the room. Seeing the light in that person's eyes and the goodness, the way that person expresses their love or their happiness. Thank you. Thank you. And then the natural world, the world around you, sense what you appreciate. Whether it's the moon or a silhouette of trees, listening to Mozart, fire, sense that thank you, that some way that your heart is bowing in appreciation. writes, it doesn't have to be the blue iris it could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones just pay attention, then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate, this isn't a contest but a doorway into thanks a doorway into thanks just pay attention and sense the sweetness of appreciating. It's worth it as part of your meditation to create a formal practice with gratitude. I have one friend that always begins every meditation by reflecting on what he's grateful for had coffee in Charlottesville and I know many people that have gratitude buddies where they every day are committed to sending an email that just says three things they're grateful for that day and that's all, they don't have to write anything you know, they don't have to sign it they just write three things they're grateful for but it's amazing practice to take the time to to do that so gratitude is the breathing in gratitude is the pausing and taking in and appreciating And when we do that, we can naturally receive the goodness of life breathing in. There's a fullness that lets us breathe out with generosity. If you think about people you know, anybody that's generous, they're a grateful person. And if they're a grateful person, they're also a generous person. They go together. Many, many different faces of it, but they go together. So there's this breathing in and breathing out. But like gratitude, just in the same way, that when we sense am I really generous? If I asked you, can you think of something in the last few days or weeks that you've done that you really felt was generous? And I do this sometimes in workshops. People will at first say that, yeah, I came up with a few things, but then I started realizing, well, they weren't really purely generous. I mean there was other things kind of marbled in like, you know, we can sense the ego in it like how others will think of us or guilt or feeling good about ourselves because we're being the helpful person or, you know, winning favor, impressing, relieving guilt so pure generosity when there's just a pure outflow like that some of you might remember this one this is uh, 11 people hanging onto a rope that's suspended from a helicopter ten were men and one was a woman they all decided one person should get off because if someone didn't the rope would break and everyone would die so no one they couldn't decide who should go so finally the woman gave a really touching speech and she said how she would give up her life to save the others because women were used to giving up things for their partners and children and giving in to men and you know it's just they're just way of of serving and When she finished speaking, all the men started clapping. (laughs) So, mixed motives, you know. So, as I said, generosity comes out of a feeling of fullness. It's out of that feeling of enough. I was talking to a dear person about a mutual mutual friend and how he doesn't have anything that most of us would consider what you want to be happy like he doesn't have a very impressive job you know he he doesn't have he didn't finish his education so he makes very very little money he doesn't even have a lot of friends he has a few people but um he's incredibly content and incredibly generous with his energy in serving so it's a kind of a fullness, that if we have what we need, it allows us to let go. And and I remember um, when my son Narayan was, I think he's like four or five, and this was a few days after Easter. I, now, I had given him this basket with this huge chocolate rabbit. And um, he did, wasn't even into the sweets that much, but, you know, it was very exciting to have this huge chocolate rabbit. He started in on the ears, and a few friends were over, so I suggested that, you know, he offer some to his friends. And he got very, very agitated, immediately he went, "No, no, no, this is mine, mine, all mine, you know, my chocolate rabbit." so um I could see that pain, you know, and so I said, so I remember saying, "You're right, it is your rabbit, and that's why you get to share it with the others and he was quiet for a bit, thinking, and then he kind of lit up, and there was this this great smile, and with this dignity, he broke off the pieces, so each you know, a child could have some. All of a sudden he was full because it was his rabbit and he got to share it, you know. And I was thinking of that It's just so much that the Buddha described that um, it's a natural capacity, this loving to give. And he described it as... Um, that it not only expresses our spirituality, but when we nourish it, it actually, it allows us to come into our fullness. It's considered a paramita, perfection of the heart. And it was the first perfection that he taught. It was the first one, you know, when he, when he described really what it was for us to fulfill our humanness, our potential. He described generosity, I love this uh, poem and this is called In Praise of Craziness of a Certain Kind On cold evenings my grandmother with ownership of half her mind the other half having flown back to Bohemia spread newspapers over the porch floor so she said the garden ants could crawl beneath as under a blanket and keep warm And what shall I wish for, for myself, but being so struck by the lightning of years to be like her with what is left, that loving?" It's intrinsic. It's intrinsic and it's something that we can cultivate. There's a way in which if we have the intention to give, And I I have this kind of game I play with myself that if I have the thought to give something or do something helpful that I I know how I can second-guess it and start thinking, do I have time, can I afford, and so on. If I have that thought, you know, unless it's a totally bizarre one, I act on it. It's just a practice to go ahead and go for it because there is such a freedom that comes and such a deliciousness when there's giving. Naomi Nye uh, describes an experience I wanted to share with you. She's a wonderful poet and writer, and she writes about um, wandering around an airport in, Al- in Albuquerque. Okay? And this is the title of the poem, Wandering Around an Albuquerque Airport Terminal. After learning my flight was detained for hours, I heard the announcement. If anyone in the vicinity of Gate 4A understands any Arabic, please come to the gate immediately. Well, one pauses these days. Gate 4A was my own gate. I went there. An older woman in full traditional Palestinian dress, just like my grandma wore, was crumpled to the floor, wailing loudly. Help, said the flight service person. Talk to her. What is her problem? We told her the flight was going to be four hours late, and she did this. I put my arm around her and spoke to her hal- haltingly. Shudawa, shubiduk, Abediti stani, stani, min faldik the minute she heard my words, she knew however poorly used she stopped crying she thought our flight had been cancelled entirely she needed to be in El Paso for some major medical treatment the following day I said no no we're fine you'll get there just late who's picking you up let's call him and tell him so we called her son and I spoke with him in English I told him I would stay with his mother till we got on the plane and would ride next to her southwest she talked to him then we called her other sons just for the fun of it Then we called my dad, and he and she spoke for a while in Arabic. Found out, of course, that they shared ten friends. Then I thought, just for the heck of it, why not call some Palestinian poets I know and let them chat with her? (laughs) This all took up about two hours. She was laughing a lot by then, telling about her life, answering questions. She had put a sack of homemade mamul cookies, little powdered sugar, crumbly mounds, stuffed with dates and nuts out of her bag. She pulled them out of her bag and was offering them to all the women at the gate. To my amazement, not a single woman declined, not one. It was like a sacrament. The traveler from Argentina, the traveler from California, lovely woman from Laredo, we were all covered with the same powdered sugar and smiling. There are no better cookies. And then the airline broke out free beverages from huge coolers, non-alcoholic, and the two little girls for our flight, one African-American, one Mexican-American, ran around serving us all apple juice and lemonade and they were covered with powdered sugar too and I noticed my new best friend by now we were holding hands had a potted plant poking out of her bag some medicinal thing with green furry leaves such an old country traveling tradition always carry a plant always stay rooted to somewhere and I looked around at that gate of late and weary ones and thought this is the way a life could be what if we can all just pause? What if we can all pay attention? What, what a world of connected beings we could be. So this is the possibility. You know, I, I think of these trainings really as uh, trainings for our world, to heal our world. And if we, each one of us, if there's just a way that we, even tonight, leave with a little more intention to pause and let ourselves be touched and savor, out of that comes this fullness that just wants to offer, wants to give, wants to touch. Yet it takes a kind of cultivation. One woman was describing a bit, this is... uh, story about her father's death and she said that in the weeks before his death my father, a blustery man guy who had difficulty communicating anything that was not so strongly held opinion he just wasn't easy to talk with but this other father, as he was dying I could talk to him in ways that would not have been possible in all the years before she writes... As you know, my father was outstanding in his profession and in one of these last conversations I had asked him what he felt was the contribution he had made to the world that made his life feel most worthwhile to him. I thought he would point to one of his many award-winning projects but he had smiled and said you, of course. I do not recall ever having another word of praise from him in my whole lifetime but it was enough. In a way, that feels to me like this ultimate generosity when we not just appreciate and feel our love for another person but we let them know. Everybody needs to be let known about that. All of us. Not all the time and not in fake ways and not always in the words, I love you, although those are pretty good words. But we need to be let known and it's generous to let others know. Rumi says, find the real world Give it endlessly away. Grow rich, flinging gold to all who ask. Live at the empty heart of paradox. I'll dance with you cheek to cheek. So let's close with another short meditation. Mention these two pathways and the first is just arriving here to be here for this life. All gratitude, all generosity, all love comes from that. So let your breath help collect you into this moment. Sense how much you can relax with the in-breath. And relax with the out-breath. Sense loving the breath. That you could bring the most tender, delicate attention to receiving the in breath. It's like a sip, slight breeze. feel how much you can with the out breath let your heart and your being release outward receiving and letting go it's in love with life sense in this moment what you feel grateful for, what you appreciate. And as we have tonight, bring to mind someone you appreciate. And imagine letting them know with a full presence. Imagine both of you very present. In some way, expre- expressing your appreciation for them. And imagine them being touched by your expression. starts with one person one moment and can become a way of living our lives we'll close with Annie Dillard who says each day is a God and holiness holds forth in time I worship each God, I praise each day splintered down and wrapped in time like a husk, a husk of many colors spreading at dawn fast over the mountain split every day is a god each day is a god and holiness holds forth in time I worship each god I praise each day Splintered down and wrapped in time like a husk a husk of many colors spreading at dawn fast over the mountain split May all beings everywhere be blessed to come home to loving presence and to realize loving presence as their source. May there be peace on earth, peace everywhere. May all beings awaken and be free. Namaste. So I want to express my thanks and gratitude to each of you for being here and being willing to explore and come into presence and um, wish you many blessings on Thanksgiving Day. So, thank you, be well. The talk you just listened to has been freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation learn more about my schedule, or about programs offered by the Insight Meditation Community of Washington, please visit either my website, which is tarabrock.com, or IMCW site, which is imcw.org. Thank you very much.